Hello and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. I'm Laura and we wanted to tell you we're recording this on Thursday, so a few days earlier than we typically record. Obviously, by the time you're hearing this, the last week was a little bit of a cluster, to put it mildly, and we say this is Sports and Life. And I'm just going to say from my perspective... I kind of had to, I saw what was happening, I informed myself, and then I kind of had to disconnect a little bit just for my own sanity. And so for that reason, and because there are many more qualified people giving you analysis and reporting and all of that stuff, we're going to not stick to sports, because obviously I hate that phrase, and we're talking about this here, but we're not going to dwell on what happened the past week. Um, Obviously, I think you, anyone could guess our feelings about a literal terrorist attack. Um, yeah. But not worth, like, in my opinion, it's like we don't have a lot to add to the conversation, especially right. this late in the conversation. And as this uh, episode goes up, we're technically talking in the past. So between recording it and publishing it, a lot more could happen. So almost anything we say will be about what happened at the Capitol building would be out of date and there would probably be way more information out by the yeah, time this is out. There's things so changing every day as they investigate yeah. it and figure out just what happened. So that's kind of what we have to say about that. But you all, if you've listened to enough of these episodes, can guess a lot of our opinions. And of course, we send our thoughts and everything out to all of you because we know it's a traumatizing time and can be very tough to watch so take care of yourselves so with that earlier the past week we had some really exciting times for our country because we beat Canada to win the world (laughs) juniors that was like the worst transition ever but I'm gonna go with it I mean it was kind of the worst transition in real life to be super excited about (laughs) USA hockey and then yeah watch your country kind of (laughs) fall apart Good point. Um, and along with that, though, I did want to say an also kind of weird transition from really awesome to really bad. The uh, USA World Junior Team had a video coach named Teresa Feaster, who was the first woman to win a gold, me- a gold medal in the uh, World Juniors. So I thought that awesome. was absolutely amazing. And just because I know not everyone understands the World Juniors, I thought I would explain a little bit because I do yeah. know the story of how it became like, it's such a big deal. If you follow hockey, it like takes over hockey for a little bit. Um, so basically, Canada kind of didn't have something to, and World Juniors usually takes place like the end of the year and then into the new year. There's usually a game on like January 1. And they didn't really have a lot to cover Uh, for sports and just for prime time and everything and so it was kind of a dead time and so randomly one year Sportsnet one of their channels decided like we have world juniors we should just hype it up because then that's like live new coverage and so they started hyping it up and then pretty soon it became this huge deal just because of the media attention and so that's kind of how it gained the following and traction it does because I don't know of a lot of other sports where like an 18 and under tournament is that important yeah so that's just kind of a little background on why it's such a big deal and so heavily watched but it is really exciting and it was really cool to see there was a lot of 
future NHL stars there and just exciting. So, Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of it because it's mostly aired on NHL Network, which YouTube TV for some reason does not have, which confuses the heck out of me because they have MLB Network and they're literally on the same studios. Like if you've ever watched those two networks, they're filmed on the same studio. So in my mind, I'm like, shouldn't they both be on the same streaming services but it's not and I kind of missed it because I saw a lot of people tweeting about it I'm like oh I'm missing such good hockey right now it was so fun I I don't have any on network but my mother does so I went over mm-hmm. and watched and it was a lot of fun um and just fun to to see the excitement and just have live hockey so that was pretty cool um another news that came up this uh week was that the divisions, so East, West, North, and Central, are going to be sponsored, and they announced the different sponsors. I'm not going to list them all. Um, I think this is interesting. I think the best point I heard about this is, like, how many times do you talk about your division? Like, how many times in a normal season do I talk about the Metropolitan? It's really not that often. Yeah. So, like, it's mostly, like, in playoffs, the, the TV announcer is going to say. Yeah. And so that if, if it's a way to recoup some money, whatever, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. Yeah, I will say that I think they must have listened to our podcast because it was announced like a couple hours after our last episode in which we talked about the divisions needed different names. Granted, was not thinking of like Honda and Scotia, but whatever. And okay, it is a little much to say mass mutual eastern division like could we just say mass mutual division i think that would be better that was my next question i was like so how are we if we actually say the divisions how are we gonna say it like is it honda are they the i think they're the central honda central division are we just saying honda division you know that's gonna be shortened to central and they're not even gonna say the sponsored names the sponsored name will get said on tv and like in the graphic yeah but most people are going to say North, Central, West, yeah. East. But the technical correct name is like, like I said, Mass Mutual Eastern Division. I would have just preferred Mass Mutual Division. Yeah. It would have been kind of funner. At least, yeah. uh, at least uh, like, just go for it. Like, at, at least you don't have no. to worry about the geographical issues we have. Yeah. So that's our opinion on that. But <laughs> get that money in NHL. I know that there's some issues with only four teams are having fans which is probably 14 is too many, but whatever. Um, so there's just, it's a, it, the NHL more than other leagues is a heavy gate driven league. So getting, recouping some money is, is always good. Um, lastly, and this is kind of ended up being really relevant, really fast. Brandon Tanev of the Pittsburgh Penguins has a pretty, pretty legendary, team photo for the year that's going to show all the time (laughs) and it's kind of perfect for 2020 and turns out for the first part of 2021 because it looks like there is some kind of horrific event going on right behind the camera and he's watching it because he just looks like holy crap that's that's the way I can describe if if you what you look like when you say holy crap that is how what he looks like he like he looks like someone watching what happened yesterday like what the heck is going on and that's what I was saying to a few of my friends and stuff like we have like we have a good quality meme picture and given how 2020 went it's probably going to be relevant for 2021 and like a day later it was really relevant for 2021 
so there you go the the meme picture already for hockey <laughs> um which is that I think we transitioned to the main part of our show which is the west and the east preview um I'll start with the west I'm going to be super honest it's the division I know the least about just because they always play latest yeah <laughs> so I will but I'll do my best and also I will say the west I think it's going to be easier for like the top teams to make the playoffs because there are a fair number of rebuilding teams in this division. And that also plays into my not knowing them. So in eighth place, and I was shocked when I found out that they were literally the bottom, I guess I should have known it, but the San Jose Sharks and the San Jose Sharks were not trying to tank last year because they traded for Eric Carlson and their um, first round pick was going to the Ottawa Senators no matter what it wasn't protected and it ended up with being the third overall pick that Ottawa got for Eric Carlson which is amazing so Ottawa ended up making out on that deal Um, but beyond that um, a lot of San Jose's problems just playoffs in general seem to stem from the Martin Jones and goaltending is always volatile, but he is like, he's a little Mike Smith, like, but Mike Smith will pull out these like amazing performances every now and again. Martin mm-hmm. Jones hasn't done that in a while. He can, but he hasn't done that in a while. And so I don't know what's going to happen with their goaltending and it kind of doesn't matter what else happens. If Martin Jones is what Martin Jones has been recently. Um, they lost Joe Thornton to the Maple Leafs, uh, more of a leadership loss. He was like a third line player and he's 41. So, I mean, yeah, Patrick Marlowe though, in the leadership department resigned again, more of a leadership resign than anything. Um, the big like stronghold and everything. And the question is the defense. Uh, Carlson and Burns are their two best defensemen. Uh, Carlson has had a little bit of trouble pretty much his whole time on the Sharks because of an injury he has sustained with with Ottawa while in the playoffs one year. And they also do have Mark Edward Vlasic. He's definitely declined a little bit as he's gotten older, but he's still a very capable defenseman. So that's interesting. I don't see the, the path. The top teams in the West are really good. Yeah. And the teams that they'd have to be at, beat out, I think, just are composed so much better than the Sharks. I kind of think their window's closed. So I don't I guessing you don't have a lot to say about the Sanders. Yeah, I don't. I The only thing I know about, like, the Sharks is they had beef with, what was it, Vegas at the very beginning of last season, which was, like, five years ago. Um, that's yeah, all I know the about Sharks them. were the beneficiary of the five-minute major. Yes. And that was the last time they were a playoff team. Um, next, Los Angeles Kings, number seven. Um, they are, on the other hand, where the Sharks, I think, kind of accidentally fell into a rebuild. The Kings have been firmly rebuilding for a while. And so with that, they have a lot of prospects. And I think they're, it makes sense. Um, one thing I... I found out doing research for this and I thought was good is they signed Andreas Athanasiu really a black hole defensively but super fast and um can get some breakaway goals offensively and so that fast kind of pairs well with young players and cheap player I I thought it was a decent signing the other thing I thought was interesting um they had the second overall pick 
this year, Quentin Byfield. But then they also, their fifth overall pick last year, Alex Turcott, was a big key part of the World Juniors. You've heard that name a lot. So Mm -hmm. the uh, Kings were featured prominently in the World Juniors. And so that was good. Um, I... They're in seventh place, but I like where they're at as far as their rebuild. It makes sense for them to be in seventh place. And I think they'll be very content if that's where they finish. I have two things about the Kings. One is just a funny, dumb story. uh, And that when I first, I don't, was Athena see you with Carolina before this? He was with Detroit and then got traded to Edmonton for like five games. Okay. I don't remember which team he was with when I first saw him or watched the game because all I remember hearing at first when they said his name, I was like, is his name happy to see you? Like, what are they saying? <laughs> it is quite that's, a mouthful. That's all I could hear. And finally, I had to go look it up because I was like, what? I honestly have no clue what they're saying. My second thing about the Kings is I have beef with them for a very specific reason. And that's because the Kings blame um, them being bad at hockey on Taylor Swift having a banner at Staples Center or whatever it's called. And like, I think it was last season they had it covered up for Kings games and then they they had it uncovered for Lakers games. This season they completely took the banner down, which by the way is an insult because Kobe Bryant freaking gave that to Taylor Swift and put it up there. So you're insulting two people. But also, you're blaming a woman for being a crappy team. And I have an issue with that too. And, okay, I get there's a lot of superstitions in hockey, but can we leave the superstitions to the players and not, like, the whole damn team? Right? It's like maybe you're just a bad team. Yeah, and it was bound to happen. Like, if you look at the age of the players that they won their cups with, yeah. it was bound to happen. Yeah. So, that just makes sense. Um, wow, so we're going to round out and finish off our California teams with the bottom three. <laughs> California's not having a good year. No. Hasn't been for a while. Anaheim Ducks, um, they, like the Los Angeles Kings, have, like, are committed to a rebuild and have been doing that. Although, it was a little, they're a little more talented than the Kings, so I don't know if they're, they, they could stand to do a little more rebuilding. Um, I was intrigued that they signed Kevin Shattenkirk, who got bought out by the Rangers in the last offseason, signed, like, a show-me deal with the lightning did well and won a cup and so then got a better deal with the the ducks it is just interesting though because he still has a decent amount of talent and he's not like your joe sorton zidane ochara veteran kind of signing he um but i guess it is like a little bit of a veteran presence and people seem to like kevin shattenkirk and so i think it's like younger players have a cool guy to like rally around and have some fun with and stuff so i guess that probably is what they're doing another one I thought was interesting um Ryan Miller I'd heard about him a lot he's a goalie um he he's getting up there towards the end of his career and so it was basically like he was going to sign in Anaheim or he wasn't going to sign anywhere because he didn't want to move his family his wife's an actress um he just didn't really want to with how late he is in his career um the Ducks resigned him I think that makes perfect sense he did well last year and he's a perfectly fine backup so I thought that that was an interesting re-signing. Um, yeah, I don't know much about the Ducks either. Besides um, I, yeah, and I honestly, I kind of expected them to be the last team in this division, um, just based on the little I know about them. 
like the only thing I know about them is Corey Perry was with them. And then uh, one of my favorite stars players was traded to them. Like the, when I first started watching them and I'm blanking on his name and I, Oh, Devin Shore, I knew it would come to me. Cause I was like, he's one of my favorites. So that's really all I know about the ducks and Devin Shore. I don't think is even with them anymore. So the only two people I can name on that team are no longer with that team. So they have, so they're like, core piece I guess I think um, he's their captain is Ryan Getzlaff um, but he's also a little older in age they have a decent amount of picks and stuff like that but definitely in a rebuild mode um, so but that is interesting that California is literally the bottom yeah I kind of all of California that. <laughs> um, and then not moving very far from California number five Arizona Coyotes and this one is kind of like the Sharks in that they weren't trying to tank and they, they did make the <laughs> play in but they're just not quite there yet and I don't know how they're going to get there so after kind of swinging for the fences with Taylor Hall of course after they did that uh COVID happened so that was a little bit of bad luck but then they didn't re-sign him to their team and so they end up kind of forfeiting a lot of assets for not really a lot of Taylor Hall that they got um they got some middle six players very eh Derek Broussard Drake Kajula and other people I don't not really anyone noteworthy um the two things I wrote down as like keys this season. Phil Kessel in his first season with them did not have a good year at all. And so is he on the decline or was that just a one-off bad year and he's better? If he can really anchor that power play and just score goals, he's never been great defensively. So you're not going to count on him for that. But if he can bring you some offense, then I think that could be a major change. Um Darcy Kemper has been their goalie and been really good. He had been kind of all over the place in his career, but with the Coyotes has been consistently quite good. Um, So does he stay at that level? Although I would imagine he would. The bigger one is Antti Ranta, um, who they got a while ago in a deal with the Rangers. Um, He's been hurt a decent amount. And so where he falls on that if he's healthy then Ranta Kemper is a very good probably underrated goaltending tandem so that's the Coyotes for you I feel like it's so bad that really like all the quintessential West teams in this division are the teams that I don't know because we're about to get to all the teams that like the stars would normally play so therefore I recognize them but like all the actual West teams in this division, I'm like, I don't really know them. Like, I well, obviously I know their teams, but they're kind of tanky and meh. That's the thing. So California teams always have a bit of a struggle just because California is not necessarily your traditional hockey market. Although we yeah. are seeing a lot more prospects come from that area. Austin Matthews was born in California and raised in the Arizona area. Um, who was it? Oh, Nick Robertson, who is a Leafs prospect, was from California so there is they're building up hockey there yeah but because of the fact that none of the California teams are good and just how far west they are I think you kind of get forgotten about like you're not the only one I for me I don't it's hard to have a ton of opinions um but then we are moving to one that I have more opinions on yeah at four and I, I was it was interesting they beat the wild or they beat the coyotes in standing is the Minnesota wild they did some interesting things this offseason. It kind of seems last year like they were hinting towards a rebuild, but they haven't fully uh, 
committed to the rebuild, which is not good. Like that's the place you don't want to be. You either want to be rebuilding or you want to be contending, but you don't want to be, eh, we might make it, we might not. Cause then you just end up with bad lottery odds or out in the first round and that's never good. So they traded Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. And I don't really know about that. Marcus Johansson didn't have a great year for the, uh, for Buffalo and Eric Stahl is a pretty good center. It just kind of seemed like a weird trade more than anything to me. They didn't re-sign their captain, Miko Koivu, so another captain on the move. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the, uh, they also got Nick Benino for Luke Cunning in a trade with the Predators. So with Stahl, Koivu, and, and Koivu, and I think Cunning too, they're, they're really completely transforming their center position, which is like next to goalie, one of the most important positions. So I find that very interesting. It's kind of a, we'll see how everything gels. Cause sometimes centers, it's the line and how you can come up with lines in the wingers. Like obviously you're, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby types, they're going to gel with whoever, but a lot of them, it is a, a thing of construction and how the lines work. So that'll be interesting to see. The other thing that I think was interesting is last season they were wa- rocking like really not a good goaltending tandem and like probably one of the worst in the league. And they got Cam Talbot as a backup, but they still don't have a number one goaltender and Cam Talbot is an okay backup. Like he, he can provide a little bit of stability, but I just don't think the goaltending is there. I think if I were them, I would commit more to a rebuild than they have. Um, Cause I think they're closer to a rebuild than they are to being a contender. If they had, were just like one or two moves away from really being a contender, then of course I would say like, maybe trade some draft capital but the amount of moves it would take to be a contender and the fact that they traded off Jason Zucker last season I just kind of think they should fully commit yeah I'm (laughs) as we go further down in this division I'm kind of annoyed that the stars aren't in this division just because like the top three on this division are all stars rivalries and I think would make for some really great games and especially with having a lot of the games kind of like in an MLB series kind of format where they're playing multiple games against each other in a short amount of time. Um, Cause a part of me is like, well, you could just take the wild out and put the wild with the central and put the stars in their place. And that would make sense. But then part of me is also like, as a stars fan, you have to hate the Minnesota team. So I also want them to play Minnesota. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I feel like Minnesota wasn't that great last season as far as like every time they played anyone that wasn't the stars and then they played the stars and like the stars forgot how to play them and just lost except for the one like comeback game in October where they won six to three after like getting booed off the rink. Um, But one thing I kind of miss about the wild is that I know they got a new head coach and their old head coach, whose name I unfortunately do not know. Yeah, so he, uh, someone pointed it out to me that he uh, looks like the former uh, Angels manager, 
God, why am I so bad with names? I blanked on his name too. Oh my God. You're going to say it. And you're like, yeah, that's him. Because they both kind of get like super red in the face, but like have no emotion. And um, oh my God, he was with the angels forever. Like Sosha? Yes. Thank you. I was like, it's right there. Um, but I so that's like one part of the thing that I kind of miss with the wild, like a random little... He's entertaining. Bruce Brudo is very entertaining. Yeah, so I kind of that's the problem with the Wild. Yeah, and he's like the one that I always associated with that team, even if I didn't really know a lot of the players on there. I'm like, oh, that's who the stars are playing. The coach. Um, I will say, so Steve Dangle, it's kind of old, but he has this pretty legendary rant that's clipped from his podcast about the Minnesota Wild, and it's actually low key really interesting because heading into the 2013 lockout the big thing they eliminated in the lockout is the cap circumvention contracts which Sidney Crosby has one there's a couple still remaining and it's basically like I pay you your market value above like your actual market value so say your market value is like 10 million dollars so I pay you 12 million dollars for the first x number of years in your contract but then I dive it off to like $2 million or a million dollars in the last few years with the arrangement that you want to retire before then. And then for me, I get a cheaper cap hit than your actual market value. But it was just such a circumvention move. Well, right before they go into that lockout, the wild sign, free agents, um, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to equal contracts like huge contracts that are doing the backdiving thing and they haven't done anything with it. Like they got to the second round once. And so it's very annoying (laughs) that they can't put it together. And they're just the classic, like, like Buffalo is a team that just always sucks and always gets like really bottom and it's like when are you ever going to finish this rebuild minnesota it's like when are you ever going to commit to a rebuild <laughs> so yeah oh my gosh the minnesota wild sound like the texas rangers and it's kind of breaking my heart <laughs> it's, it's not i feel bad for wild fans sometimes because it's not it ain't fun yeah um cause, well because sometimes being like on a tank team can be fun because like, yeah. it's kind of weird to be like yeah lost but, but you know, there's a purpose behind it. Yeah, and it's just kind of fun. Yeah. You can laugh at it eventually. Yeah. Because they're not even trying to win. But this is like, what are we? Yeah. Um, next, I guess we'll go into, like, there's a divide. So I would say the California teams are one section of the, the West. Arizona and Minnesota are probably another section. And then these top three are like there's and there's distance between those three sections. So there's a bit of a diff- distance between four and three and three by points last year was the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, they signed Robin Leonard to an extension. I'm really happy about that because Robin Leonard had had to sign two one year contracts, played amazing in both of them. And then it was like Chicago wasn't going to give him an extension and he had earned it with his play and it kind of just felt a little bit like a stigma kind of thing and so it is good that he got that extension but where does that leave the whole Mark andre Fleury sword drama thing what's going on with that so that'll be an interesting thing to see how that unfolds if he gets traded if like what happens how the split goes but 
it's a great tandem and that's where goaltending is going towards is having a good backup that splits more so your starter isn't playing so much so that's interesting of course the other humongous thing probably the biggest thing is they got Alex Petrangelo um, who was like the number one free agent they signed him long term which is awesome I do think it's interesting the power play which was kind of an issue that St. Louis had when they signed that Justin Falk, which is the most perplexing. I have no idea what they were doing with that trade and contract, but it was, well, now you have two power play defensemen and you usually play one defenseman on the power play. Vegas kind of has a similar situation in that Shea Theodore has been their power play quarterback and is pretty, really pretty good at it. I'm going to be curious if they put Alex Petrangelo in that position because he's really good at that too or if they leave Shea Theodore who's more of like the younger guy it'll be interesting to see which direction they go I, th- I think that's kind of an interesting question no doubt whoever isn't on pp one though will be on pp 2 because they're both so you have two great defense definitely yeah. not a horrible problem to have <laughs> um but of course with the Petrangelo signing it put them like beyond cap hell like they were just completely over it so um they were forced to trade Nate Schmidt, who is a really good defenseman, like super below market value. I think it was a third round pick basically to Vancouver. Basically Vancouver just had to like make sure no one else bid on Nate Schmidt because that's who they were competing with. It's not like, like Vegas could hold on to Nate Schmidt. They didn't have the cap space for it. So that was kind of interesting. Um, They also traded Stasny. This was, I think pre- Petrangelo or if it wasn't I think it was almost a little independent of that I kind of felt like they were always going to trade Paul Stasny just because he ended up being a little overpaid for Mm -hmm. his value he's declining a little bit as he gets older um Stasny went to Winnipeg which we talked about last time um but then this kind of does push Cody Glass who was their first ever draft pick um into really having to perform he did play last year and he was he looked pretty good to me at times but he's I think he's going to be the number two center it's gonna be William Carlson and him and he kind of has to be so I think that's gonna definitely push his development along hope hopefully and not set him back or put too much on his shoulders um there is no way Vegas doesn't make the playoffs in my opinion um it's just how good are they going to perform together? And then, of course, playoffs are crapshoot. So, but I think pencil them in as playoff team. Yeah, I'm kind of again with the stars not being in the same division as these teams. I, I won't get to see them play as much. Um, well, then again, I probably won't be seeing the stars play as much because Fox Sports Southwest. So maybe I'll see Vegas and all of them play more on like NHL Network and that. Um, but I kind of like because. Vegas and Stars had such a good playoff uh, series. I was really excited to see the Stars play Vegas again and Colorado again and kind of see how it changes in more of a normal quote-unquote season play because, you know, like we said, the playoffs were a little weird since they started months after. It was kind of not the same thing as how the season went. Uh, but I, I really just wanted to see what the energy was going to be like between these two teams. So it kind of sucks for me personally, being a Stars fan, not getting the, to see them like continue the rivalries because the rivalries is what makes a lot of games fun. Um, but I'm interested to see 
how they play out against the Blues with all the different trades and confusing things I feel like the Blues did as well when the Blues have seemed so strong. Yeah, I think there's no doubt to me Vegas got better. Yeah. It's just kind of, again, chemistry with Alex Petrangelo. I think everyone should have chemistry with Alex Petrangelo, but it'll be interesting to see who they pair him with yeah. and how all of that goes. Um, next, I think it seems like everyone's like favorite hype team for like the past couple seasons now is the Colorado Avalanche. Um, once again, Joe Sackick made some great, pretty much since the Matt Duchesne trade, he has just been like rolling with great <laughs> trades. Um, he definitely picked on one of, in my opinion, the less competent general managers out there in Stan Bowman um, and got rid of uh, Zadorov, who is a little overpaid and they are definitely don't need him at defense. And they got Brandon Saad, which is a great adding winger depth, more support for Nathan McKinnon, Andre Burkowski, kind of let you do a lot with your lineup because they have that like all-star line with Landeskog, uh, McKinnon, and Branson in, but then maybe you can switch them up a little bit and throw sod mm-hmm. somewhere. There, there's a lot of things that you can do that are kind of interesting. And of course they have Padre also at center, so who knows? Um, but I like that. They also, the Islanders had cap problems, which is crazy to think about because ever since they got lost, uh, John, uh, John Tavares they have been not in cap problems but of course Matt Barzell is due for a contract extension and so they had to get rid of Devin Taze who is a really underrated good defenseman and they got him on the cheap and so that was a little frustrating because it's like Penguins you could have like every other team should be like we could have done this why and so that's a little frustrating um Last year, honestly, I think the number one reason that they just completely petered off in the playoffs was they had too many goaltending injuries. I think any team would have been sunk by that. They're no exception. Um, Their goaltending tandem has been good, but it's just a little less proven. So be interesting to see how that, that goes this year. It is a really key year. Makar like their amazing defenseman is in his Mm -hmm. last year of his entry-level contract. So he's going to be due for more money. Um, McKinnon still has like two or three more years on his absolutely amazing contract. If you combine skill and contract, his is the best contract in the NHL. Because like you could say Connor McDavid is the best player, but McKinnon's top three and McKinnon is like half of what McDavid costs, a little over half. So that is pretty amazing. So that's the Colorado Avalanche. Again, like Vegas, I don't see any way they don't make it. It's yeah. just how do they do in the playoffs, I think is the question. Yeah, because I think um, like not to say like wishing any injuries or anything on anyone, but like the Stars had obviously injuries still too, but I think – uh, Colorado had more injuries to more key players when the Stars played them. And I think that obviously benefited the Stars because they got further. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested to see how Colorado is this season without those injuries because I think they could be a very scary team to play. 
Um, Cause honestly, they're more of an intimidating, like feistier team than I really ever expect them to be when the stars play them. The interesting, so they ended up having to play Michael Hutchison, which if you know who he is, that's not a good sign in the playoffs. Yeah. It would be, and this is like a nightmare. I know it would be as if in that last playoff run, if Dobie got hurt pretty early yeah. on, like that's yeah. pretty hard to overcome. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I can't imagine anything, but playoffs this year for them. And then of course the first place team, Morgan's absolute not favorite team, the St. Louis Blues. Um, they signed Tori Krug in free agency. He was definitely cheaper than Alex Petrangelo. Um, I think that'll be interesting. He definitely is a, power play quarterback he will be the number one power play if he's not someone should get fired <laughs> um so that's that I still I think the biggest thing with the blues I have no idea what they were doing trading for Justin Falk he is not that good for what they paid for him and what they signed him to it's just a really weird move that they did before last season and so it's kind of made their whole team a little weird since then um they traded Jake Allen their backup because he was a little overpaid for a backup gave him to Montreal but now they're back up and I mean we're right on the cusp of the season so I don't know what the deal is but their backup is Villa Huso, and I have no idea who that is which is never a good <laughs> sign Morgan's laughing because it's never a good sign when I'm like I have no I mean I've read the name once or twice on their depth chart that's yeah. all I really know so I mean Maybe he can turn out being amazing. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like they have a really committed tandem. And even though Bennington had his like Stanley Cup run, he is not like to me an established number one goaltender in the way some of the other goaltenders are. So goaltending is really an interesting thing. And honestly, if they were in like if they were in the East, I would say they could be a candidate for a surprise not playoff like don't qualify for the playoffs just because of the goaltending situation um that said they're in the west and they i just by virtue of like actually trying to win i think they're going to overcome well for sure all three of the can uh the california teams but then i think there's no way they don't hop over one of like uh Arizona or Minnesota so I think there's just no way they don't qualify but I I think I don't really see them as quite the same team as they were when they won the cup yeah as a Stars fan I hope they crash and burn and are at the bottom of their division so (laughs) when you said you didn't know you've never heard of who their backup was I was like oh this is gonna be so good I'm so happy for them um Kyle Clifford, they signed. He's not a good, great player, but he's better in presence, definitely. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, so because of how it's – go back and listen to my cap, uh, cap podcast, but the, there's yes. some really arcane cap rules around long-term injury reserve and how all of that works. And so because of how that works and because they have people on LTIR, Mike Hoffman, who's like the biggest free agent that has been outstanding for forever – there he basically signed with their team but they can't sign him because of LTIR things so he's on a professional tryout contract which is usually for like people trying to just hang on to the end like in the NHL 
and like very fringe players, which Mike Hoffman very is not. So they just have him on a PTO so that they can sign him when they can because of LTIR. So that'll probably be like pretty soon. Eventually they'll announce a contract with him. He's a good sniper, which he doesn't have the playmaking ability of um, Vladimir Tarasenko, but he can kind of fill that sniping ability if need be. So that's pretty good safe signing, but still it's the goaltending. That's just what it is. So that concludes the West. Now, when we get to the East, I know a lot more about all of these teams. So yeah, I was going to say I, the East, I probably know the least about, I probably said that about the Canada division too, but I, I, I'm a stars I, person. If the stars don't play them, I don't really know who they I are mean, at this point. I got, got this. So in last place tied for last place, which I was surprised it was tied. Yeah. I was just about to say, I'm surprised with how but bad that says more about the second team that we're talking about yeah. than about the first team. Yeah. So the first team is definitely like they've committed to the rebuild now. <laughs> yeah. And that would be the New Jersey Devils. Um, they traded stall for Johansson, which I think is good because Johansson. Um, oh wait, I got that wrong. They did not get stall for Johansson. Next team got stall for Johansson. I don't know where I write that in there, but they re-signed Mackenzie Blackwood who is like the hope in the midst of all of their troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he's their goaltender of the future. That's good. They signed Corey Crawford, which I thought at the time was a great signing. Great. Like one B he can play half and half with Blackwood and be a great mentor. However, right now uh, Crawford hasn't been to training camp and um, he, they, they just say they haven't really disclosed why and what's going on, just that the team supports him in this. Um, Crawford has battled concussions in his career. I don't, I'm not speculating. I honestly have no idea if it's something personal, right. if it's injury related, what it is. But if Corey Crawford but isn't he, there, it makes yeah, an it interesting like scenario. It's just, it's at least it sounds like it's not like he just didn't show up and we don't know why. Like, yeah, there's something going on there that we don't really know. I think they said it's a personal matter or something like that, gotcha. but it could be a lot of different things. Right. So no speculation from me, but I don't know. It's, it's not a cesspitist just didn't show up and he's not at his hotel kind of deal. Yes. Although that was on the Mets too. The Mets reported <laughs> that like he got kidnapped. Right. <laughs> um, so um, they got Andreas Janssen for the Leafs, which the Leafs were another team who had to cap dump. And so they got him for not a ton, Joey Anderson, which is, a, I guess, a, I don't know much about him, but is a decent prospect, but not great. So that'll be good. That's a good winger to add to the team. They're definitely still rebuilding, but they're, I think it, they're doing a good, good job so far in their rebuild. Wouldn't be surprised if they traded someone like a Kyle Palmieri this season just to continue that rebuild. Um, the two people that I think are for sure, well, right now, the three people that I would say are for sure safe are um, Nico Heischer, who's young, number one pick from a while ago, because they had Taylor Hall, so they had all the lottery luck for a while. Um, center of the future, Jack Hughes, number one pick from last year. Again, Taylor Hall has all the lottery luck. And then uh, finally, Mackenzie Blackwood. So I think those people are pretty much bolted down. Um, Jack Hughes, maybe a little less so in that he did not have a great first season. So he obviously has time. He's young, but 
he's not like like he Shear and Buck would have established themselves as really really good players so that's just that's where they are and the next team perpetually not good and perpetually no one has any idea what they're doing they never seem to complete a rebuild or we don't even know if they I don't know what's going on Buffalo Sabres <laughs> who even knows um they got they're the ones who got stalled for Johansson um I like that a little bit. Johansson was not doing well. This player sometimes seem to do in Buffalo. So change of scenery is maybe good for him. Stahl's a good veteran. So I'm hoping the like Buffalo has a little bit of like Mets vibes to them where it seems like, yeah. like, well, okay. Ryan O'Reilly is the classic case. He said he lost his love for the game when he, like he, he gave that quote, like right when he was traded from Buffalo. And then the year after he was traded wins the Stanley cup and the con Smythe. <laughs> So, like, um, not really sure what's in the water in Buffalo, but <laughs> but they got Taylor Hall, which is pretty amazing. I was stunned. It's a one-year deal, which makes sense for me that, and for Taylor Hall because of the weird season. This was not his, like, favorite time to sign a long-term deal. It makes sense. I think it's interesting. I think part of the reason he might have signed is because it's, like, Jack Eichel and his band of merry men up there in Buffalo and so Taylor Hall can be like well assured that he will play with Jack Eichel and that's a really good combination like I'm really I would watch Buffalo games just for that not much else but just for that um yeah like I said Buffalo has been like forever in a rebuild so like teams have fully crashed rebuilt and come back in the time that people like Buffalo they I think they haven't made the playoffs since like 2004 like they're really not good so yeah I got nothing I I I think Taylor Hall could be an x-factor I still with how stacked the Metropolitan is I just don't see it yeah that's what I got on Buffalo um next at six is the New York Rangers. Um, of course, they won the last one year's uh, sweepstakes, which instantly makes their team better. We'll see how much like Jack Hughes. We thought, oh, that's great for New Jersey, like instant better, all of that. And that really wasn't the case. We'll see how much you can add. Young players are still young players. So even though Alexi Lafreniere is the consensus number one pick, looks really amazing. There is an adjustment to the NHL. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, they bought out Henrik Lundqvist and they lost Jesper Foss. I don't think Jesper Foss is a huge loss. Obviously, Henrik Lundqvist is a huge loss for their organization. They did have three goaltenders, so now it makes sense that they've committed to the young tandem, uh, Georgiev and Shisterkin. But obviously sad to see Hank leave the Big Apple. But um, they re-signed a bunch of people, including aforementioned Georgiev, uh, Strom, and Lemieux, and everyone's least favorite person, Tony D'Angelo. Literally no one likes him. Don't listen to his podcast. I'm not even saying the name, but all of this, that, whatever. Um, definitely, definitely on um, YouTube, YouTube, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Sebastian Ajo, because Sebastian yes. Ajo completely danced him and Sebastian Ajo is a sweetheart and Tony D'Angelo very is not so it's just like a really heartwarming thing to see yeah um 
I like this. I put this in my, I was really proud of myself. So I'm going to read it <laughs> quote for, from my notes. Um, they had subtraction by addition in signing Jack Johnson um, because he's really, really terrible. Like I was reading Dom LeCision who writes for the athletic and is like a real big numbers nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, his stuff about the penguins and also just the Rangers and Jack Johnson. And he has this thing about like how many, this calculation of like how many wins uh, a player is good for. And usually you're like middle of the road, like hover somewhere in the zero range. Jack Johnson, I believe was like negative 1.5, which is like really horrible. And they were saying, they're like, Sidney Crosby had a down year, which when you think about, when you look at it, it really didn't have a down year. They ju- you just played with Jack Johnson a lot. And all that really says is Sidney Crosby can't drag like the literal worst player in the NHL. Like that's right. the player, right? I mean, he's dragged a lot of okay, but not great players long, but Jack John- putting him with Jack Johnson is just not really fair. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that impacts. They had traded another stall, Mark Stahl, um, who was on defense. They traded him to Detroit, and he was a little overpaid veteran, but Jack Johnson is definitely a downgrade from Mark Stahl. Um, so I'm very, very curious how that's going to go and how they're going to deploy De- Jack Johnson. Of course, with the Rangers, it's the Artemi Panarin show. How well does he do this year? I'm sure it's great, but that'll be interesting to see. A lot of people think that they can make the playoffs. I think it's more of a question the east is a little more up in the air than the west is so that's what i got on the rangers the even more confusing team is the islanders um matt barzell still isn't signed and so if he holds out for any length of time at all given that this is a 56 game season and how close the margins always are i mean even five games could make a huge difference so and there's only so much cap space they have to sign him. So mm. there's not like, it's not like they can negotiate and just say, okay, we'll take, we'll pay a little more just to get you signed. Cause we need this. Um, they have been amazing the past couple of years because they have Barry Trotz, who is just a defensive wizard and um, their team was built for his kind of system. We're basically it's boring, not fun to watch hockey, but it kind of wins with less talent. Um, but I don't know if that's still enough given they come, they, it's, I know it's not enough if they don't have Matt Barzell because he was like their one play driving player. And if yeah, he's yeah. your only one, you kind of need him. So that's what we got. Um, next, my team. The Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, have to mention again, look at the brand of T- Brandon Tanev picture. I will be using it at some point this season. Um, they made a bad trade for Kapanen that we discussed in a previous episode, but it'll be interesting to see where they put him in the lineup. I'd imagine he's going to get a go at, it seems like Sidney Crosby's winger with Jake Gensel, which is a really primo spot. So can he make the most of that? We don't know for sure because he's had visa issues. Um, so they have to figure that out before he actually slots in but the reason I'm guessing Sidney Crosby is because the player they have playing Sid's other wing right now is definitely not a first line winger so I'm thinking he's just kind of a hold holding that position until Kapanen gets there they have through a sign and a trade a new third pair of Cece and Matheson which is really not a good pair (laughs) however 
Next line, and the opposite of New York, addition by subtraction in removing Jack Johnson. So that third pair, even though like it was last year, it was Johnson and I forget even who it was, but like Ruedel sometimes it was, oh, Justin Schultz. But just the virtue of having Johnson on one side of that pair, CC and Matheson are a better pair. They just are. They're not good players, but I really love the Penguins' top four. Um, they re-signed John Marino to a long-term deal, which I'm super happy about because he – the reason the Penguins played so well last year in that regular season was John Marino. He completely changed mm-hmm. the complexion of their team. And so that now they have Latang, Dumoulin, um, Pedersen, Marino as their top four, and that is so legit of a top four, which coming from the Penguins, whose strength has always been – Crosby Malkin having such a legit top four is kind of amazing. Um, super excited that we have Gensel back from injury. Um, Brian Rust, if he continues at his pace, um, Jason Zucker. There's a lot of good line mates for uh, Crosby and Malkin. Of course, like Kapanen is the one that they think is going to be the fourth. I'm not really convinced he's going to be a good fourth, but there are other options in there. So That'll be interesting. And the final note I had was they traded Matt Murray to Ottawa. And so now their goaltending duo is Jari and DeSmith. Jari had a good last season and DeSmith had a good season prior than that. So it's just if they can handle the load together, because they both Jari started out as backup and then kind of took over number one, but still hasn't really been a full season as a number one. I would say it's more 1A, 1B, but still they've never had to share this with the two of them. They've never really been in this kind of situation. So that's a bit of a question. I like the Penguins setup. Still don't like the trades, but they have enough talent there that I like them. I'm not convinced, but I think they stand a good chance. So. Um, I, for one, am rooting for Alex Latang's dad. Yes, that is true. (laughs) Chris Letang is Alex Letang's dad. Um, Definitely go to his Instagram. There's some cute Alex Letang moments from Chris Letang and his wife's Instagrams. So definitely something to check out. And if you don't know who uh, Alex Letang is, you should because he took over the All-Star game. It was the most adorable thing ever. Yeah, you should definitely look up on YouTube or something because there's some great moments. And he's just, like his dad said, he was so shy for a while. And then at that all-star game, he was just a little ham and it was awesome. The cutest. So um, with that, next one is not exactly my favorite. We're going to go for a trio of not exactly my favorite teams. (laughs) The Philadelphia Flyers, who are the Penguins' first opponents of the year. Um, There was no real signings uh, signings or re-signings. Um, not really a lot of trades or anything, not a lot. Matt Niskanen retired, which is definitely a thing. He was in their top four. Um, the big thing I had is I don't know what's going on with Nolan Patrick, who missed all of last year with migraine issues. And obviously that's not something that's just cured. So I don't know where he stands on that, but he was their number two pick from the Nico Hishier draft. And so obviously he was going to be a big part of their future. And where does that go? Um, Carter Hart has been amazing last year and kind of proved he was all of the hype that they had going in as a goaltending prospect so definitely curious to see if that keeps up he's one I would probably bet that stays at a a high level maybe not god mode but 
like above average, um, I would definitely bet. I just have the question, is the chemistry from last year still present? Because obviously you have Claude Giroux, who's getting up there in age, and Jake Borchek, who's getting up there in age, who are like two of your higher paid players. So how is that going? But then you have some younger players, um, Sean Couturier, for instance, Travis Konechny, who are talented and make a lot less. So, or, and I mean, make a little bit less, but also younger. So just kind of see how they do, how they gel. I, they look in good shape to me, though. From how they looked last year and the fact that their team hasn't changed much, I, I would pretty well pencil them into the playoffs. The only thing I can add to Flyers' conversation is finding out how you say, is it Konecki? Konechny. Konechny. Yes. Is, that was, finding out how you pronounce his name was probably – outside of stars in the playoffs was probably the wildest moment for me during playoffs because to me it does not you don't say it how it looks and I don't watch the Flyers so there's not very many opportunities I get to hear the name to know how it's pronounced but it comes up his name is like a popular one on hockey tumblr so I see it quite often so when I first heard how it's pronounced I was like Oh, I've been saying it wrong in my head, but at least it was just in my head. Yeah, it's an, he's an interesting player. He definitely has a lot of attitude to him. Yeah. So um, that he is not my favorite, but <laughs> if I had him on my team, I would love him. Yeah, um, he, so he, I get that vibe from him. I can respect that. Um, but yeah, I think they look in great shape. And of course, always with the Flyers gritty. That's like the X factor every year gritty um it's gonna be weird with not having fans because that's a lot of who gritty plays off of but yeah I know everyone loves gritty I it's long been recorded on my twitter I do not like mascots and gritty is literally things made up of my nightmares here's the thing gritty sometimes is over the top for me but some of the skits are legit hilarious. Like at the stadium series game when he wasn't wearing an outfit at all and then like started running on the ice as if he was a streaker and then they had the people chasing him. I thought yeah. that was funny. So like they do some fun, legit funny things with him. Okay, so like I like his bits, like how the Astros mascot is like funny and cute. The only issue I have is Gritty does not look funny and cute. And that's the issue. Like, he has googly eyes. He squeaks. It freaks me out. I don't like it. The, the single, the one thing is the googly eyes. That, to me, it's like transforms his vibe. Really? It, like, makes him cuter or, like, No, scarier. Yeah, like, okay. Weird, like, creepier. Because if you look yeah. at the, um, the Phillies mascot, who is also yes. kind of a little weird looking. But if you put Gritty's eyes on that mascot, that would be terrifying. Yeah. But conversely, I think if you put the Phillies eyes on the Gritty, it makes him a little less terrifying. I do have like a theory and I don't know if like this is a thing and I'm just like thinking it's my own theory that I smartly came up with or if it's like a thing. But his like eyes, like I, are they Googly and like in that placement? Because like when you at the Flyers like stadium where they play like their logo kind of looks like his eyes because of how they have I don't yeah I don't know but it's the like it's literally someone was like okay what's the worst thing we can do with a mascot give him googly eyes and make his hands squeak but I think I think the kind of theme was like lean into the Philly reputation and I get it and I love the name (laughs) Gritty 
that that definitely works. But and and I support anything that brings notoriety to the league because we don't yeah. get that a lot in like late night shows. We're talking about it, so that's oh like yeah, a thing. he's transcended NHL. So he's like one of the better like known mascots yeah. across sports, and so I applaud that creativity. But <laughs> yeah, definitely not my and better i have no stones to throw because the penguins mascot is the name is terrible <laughs> iceberg but perg is spelled like the end of pittsburgh so g yeah it's terrible the stars mascot on the other hand i think is cute cuddly and adorable and it's the only mascot i'm not actively afraid of now i'm saying if i ever am at a game where gritty is at if he comes near me i swear to god i'm gonna punch him just out of fear yeah it's 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 a thing and I, like I don't need another grudge against a mascot I already hate the Texas Rangers mascot because the freaking horse stomped at me I wasn't I was purposely not trying to make eye contact with him because I was passing him I didn't want anything to do with it and it sensed it and he stomped at me and it made me jump and from then on like he's my lifelong enemy <laughs> I feel that so um but yeah I'm being with mascots I'm not clearly to go <laughs> of flyers paint they'll tend to go off the rails they're fun to watch they definitely yeah. love rivalry games but they tend to go off the rails i did go to one but it was a home game for pittsburgh it was the stadium series game and so no gritty and that was pretty gritty anyways oh that's good so sorry to, like total tangent <laughs> off my issue <laughs> no that's what this show is about it's sports and life and mascots is definitely a part of life <laughs> um, next washington capitals um the biggest thing, goaltending, that's been a, a whirlwind. So they yeah. lost Hopi to Vancouver, which kind of made sense. He was falling off, and I wouldn't have signed him to the contract Vancouver did. So that's fine. And they signed, had an opportunity to sign Henrik Lundqvist, and I thought that was a great signing. And then, of course, um, he has a heart issue, and he had surgery, and so he's out for the whole season. Sometimes there are those things, and obviously, best wishes to Lundqvist and all that. He seems like just an amazing guy. But in looking at the Capitals GM, you can't be upset with him because it's like he made what is a great signing to set mm-hmm. his team up really well because they have Ilya Samsonov, a young guy, is going to be like their goalie of the future. And Henrik Lundqvist is great to be like, even can step into 1A and like great, great presence. Um, so he set them up really well and it was just obviously bad luck that a heart issue was discovered yeah um I think the backup now is Phoenix Copley which I've heard the name a few times but is definitely not any kind of definitely in the lower half of backups probably might be better than Vili Huso but not not one of your better backups so that'll be interesting but in also in veteran news they got Zineno Chara which scooping him away because the Bruins were dumb and getting him, which we'll talk about when we talk about the Bruins for cheap, I think it was like 750 grand. That's yeah. a great, uh, chart averaged like 20 minutes and he's in his forties, averaged yeah. 20 minutes for the Bruins. So 750 grand, even if you have to cut it down to like 15 minutes, that is great value. Yeah. And so I, like that um I I ended with the core is getting older obviously Ovechkin is a similar age to Malkin and Crosby but then you have Nick Backstrom that kind of thing so it's just a little bit of an age curve question and I think 
obviously the goalie situation is the biggest question. There was some weirdness going on with them in the bubble. Like a lot of people say they just came not in the right mindset at Mm -hmm. all, like partied a lot and didn't really care. And that's kind of why they lost. And so I don't know if that's, and, and as much as I hate sometimes people talking about like intangibles, people sometimes talk about intangibles as a way to excuse bad players. Yeah. But they do matter. And like, there's this chemistry thing and just attitude and all that. And that matters. And so I'm just going to be curious to see how that carries through. I think that's also might be a good um, reason to sign Chara because as the Bruins captain, like one of the things I remember reading about him is he absolutely abhors hazing of any kind. And so he, um, like most teams, when the, a player is playing his first game in the NHL. They have him lead the, the group out to the ice and then no mm-hmm. one follows him. So he does a lap by its own, his own. Chara's like, none of that. We're not doing that. That's targeting them. And so oh, wow. very, very just strong leader. So I could see if like they were worried about some of that partying and stuff like that, bringing Chara in could be set a really good tone. Which I know we'll get to it when we talk about Boston, but that kind of makes it, more surprising as to why Boston wouldn't keep Chara around because yes if the reasoning was they're going to like a younger team but younger teams need veteran guidance so yeah I have a lot to say about that yeah but I still think the Washington Capitals are probably a good bet but it is just like there's some interesting they're a different team like most teams they had some yeah. decent changes the goalie carousel more than anything resulted in a lot of teams being like they're a yeah. little bit of a different team this season so yeah um because really it was chara and lundquist and then losing lundquist those are like the big things they did but well i guess they signed justin schultz which good luck with that i think they overpaid him which i'm okay <laughs> with that but he is not as he had one good playoffs with the penguins and has ridden that as like just the bank and he is not that good of a defense. You can tell when you've been burned by a player on the penguins because you always say good luck with that. Yeah, it is like <laughs> which I feel that very much. So. He's not Jack Johnson. He's yeah. not like just a black hole that sucks your entire team into it. But he the the Justin Schultz like trajectory is an interesting one because he was like a hype to hype type for Edmonton and then just sucked and was not good and then the Penguins got him for like a fourth round pick as like a oh we can see what we can do with him and then he went to RIP to this the um oh what's his name uh he used to be our def- uh our uh defensive coach and he played for it now I'm gonna look this up because it's gonna bother me but Let me see. Sergey Gonchar. Um, and he was a Penguins defenseman and also just a really good defenseman in his NHL career. And so online it was affectionately called uh, the uh, Sergey Gonchar School for wayward defensemen who want to hockey good or something like that. <laughs> and he really improved and kind of became a really good power play threat because he has a really hard shot and all of that sort of thing. And that happened to be, I believe, the second year of the Penguins. That it was the second year of the Penguins' back-to-back cups because they lost Latang and were throwing out like one of the worst defenses to ever win a cup. 
And he was like the star on that defense. So he kind of rode that. And then the last couple seasons, and especially last season, but last season, again, he was paired a lot of the time with Jack Johnson. So I acknowledge yeah. and accept that. However, <laughs> he, he is not, he's kind of regressing a little more closer to what he was like in Edmonton. He's still better than that, but not what the Capitals paid him. So that'll be interesting. But I think... I think they're I think they're still a playoff team pretty safely. Um, and then finally, the Boston Bruins. Man, they had a lot of change and it wasn't goaltending at all. Um, they lost Krug, which people weren't happy about that because he was another people really liked player, didn't sign for like a crazy amount in um in St. Louis, and people were like, we wouldn't even offer him that. Um, especially unless like we prioritize signing like Kevin Miller which if you have to be like who he's the guy who spells his name K-E-V-A-N yeah I hate that (laughs) that's the only thing I know about Uh he's like not like a super consequential defenseman he's fine but like that's the priority okay and without him Krug and then Chara they just said okay and didn't negotiate with him they have Matt Grizzlick and we don't know like who else is going to be on lefty not anyone with a lot of experience and definitely not anyone with top four experience so that's a little bit of an issue um Pasternak is out for the beginning of the season so that perfection line so-called of uh Marshan Bergeron Bergeron Pasternak can't happen but it'll be good because I think it always made sense to break that lineup and they never wanted to try it just because it was so good the three of them that forced to play another player on that wing will be good to see if we can find a line that will work and then maybe you could push Marchand and or Pasternak to um, a different line that would be David Krejci that's the one I was thinking of you can push him to that line that would be interesting because then you can have two legit lines and that would be good they signed uh craig smith who was a free agent from nashville and he's a good like many because of covid19 he was available for an affordable price good winger solid proven winger in the league um the other question i had is rask like uh where's he at and it does seem like he's back um but just with everything that's going on with him just is he long term or is there a risk that they could lose him throughout the season both the injury and just personal things um no speculation for me but just just a question um he left towards the end of their play right because of covid he left pretty early on in the bubble and it was like a family issue and i forget what it was but there was like a family thing that went on and of course the media makes it a thing but like right it was it's just also like he's had his own share of health battles and things like that so just kind of where that's at and Halak is a really 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 good backup but if he had to carry the load that's a lot to ask right um I still think they're a playoff team um but there's more questions this year because like I said defense and Chara we need to talk about this (laughs) today no Chara their captain who they played 20 minutes last year now I get you want to start transitioning to a younger defense because the Dano Chara is like on his last legs of, as an NHL player. Yeah. But 
you can't go from playing a guy 20 minutes like your matchup pair to saying we can't pay you 750 grand if they sat down and said okay look and, and apparently this is what the capital said like we'll give you a chance you're you probably going to play but you might not play your 20 minutes you're, I'm almost guarantee you're not going to play your 20 minutes if Boston said look we want to start transitioning to a younger defense so you're going to be more of like a third pairing guy I'm guessing he would have gone for it but yeah. they just told him like we don't have room for you which how you go from 20 minutes a night to we don't have room for you makes no sense like the regression curve ha- is a thing it's not that like yeah. that it just makes no sense and it is nice because now Bergeron's the captain and all of that. And I know that that's been a thing that they've been wanting. But Char is a great captain. And Bergeron, I don't think, cares if he's C or an A. And I think a lot of people, I just know from hearing different Boston Twitter rumblings, that mm-hmm. the Bruins were, some Bruins players were mad about Krug because he's a big, he's like the DJ in the locker room. So he's like a big glue guy kind of thing. And yeah. And also just really good at the power play. And so they were already a little miffed that they didn't try harder to re-sign him. And then to hear that they wouldn't pay Chara 750 grand, I think a lot of players are a little pissed and fans too. And I understand that because I don't really know what the heck Don Sweeney was smoking this summer, but it's probably one of the more puzzling off seasons of anyone in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. And it's like one of the most recent moves too, which is what's even crazier. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because they were the president's trophy winners last year. Obviously uh, COVID shortened season. So it's a little weird, but to just do these weird things because players are coming up as free agents and you didn't go far in the playoffs. That seems like a way over correction. Yeah. Also, usually when you do that, you sign more than Craig Smith. <laughs> like I don't really, I'm not seeing the path here. And I think just given where the Bruins are with Marchand and Bergeron and how old they are, not like they're old, old, but they're past 30. I just got to believe that Sweeney has a pretty short leash given this very perplexing off season. Cause I think if you make moves that make sense to people and it just doesn't work out and then you have to correct, you get a longer leash because they've been a good team for a long time now. And they made it to the finals a couple of years ago. But if you, even if you make it to the finals, if you do not have an off season like this, your leash shortens pretty substantially so I I still think they're a playoff team but this is the I think this is the the division most prime for like a how did they get in kind of thing because it's so close I feel pretty confident that the Devils and the Sabres aren't gonna make it definitely the Devils but even the Sabres the Islanders if like I said if Barzell's out for any time cross them off but if, if Barzell comes back, then they're in the mix. And then you've got the Rangers, Penguins, Flyers, Capitals. I feel like Flyers and Bruins. I feel, But I feel like if I had to predict, it would be the one through four, Bruins, Capitals, Flyers, Penguins. But I think you, there's just bound to be one team, one of those four that underperforms. Yeah. Um, if I had to bet it won't be the Flyers, I would think it would be one of Penguins, Capitals, Bruins. Um and then that means that the Rangers could overtake them or the Islanders. And so it just, this division has a lot more good teams. Yeah. And it, so it's just, 
there's not that divide like there was with the West. Right. So will be interesting to see. Was there anything more you wanted to add on my long-winded preview of all of those different divisions? No, I've just, I just sit back and learn so much when you talk about it because I'm like, oh, didn't know that about this team. I recognize that name, didn't know this. So I just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, when I do the prep for these, I realize like how much of a hockey nerd I am. I but it's great to listen to. So there you go. Um, but it's time for rant and rave. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, you go first because I don't know what my rant is. <laughs> okay. So my rant, um, I just really need people to settle down on Twitter in so many different ways. And this is like a, a recurring rant. It's like yeah. the evergreen, evergreen rant. I get that things are horrible. I get, and I totally understand tweeting about that, but don't let horrible events make you a jerk online or in life because then that's kind of letting the terrorists win and it's just it really makes me sad to see people like just start attacking and and reading way too much into things and like obviously those things happen on twitter all the time but to see it heightened after an event like the attack on the capitol it just really makes me sad because it does like I said, it's like you're letting the terrorist win and that it just bums me out. So that's, yeah. I don't know if that's a rant or just like kind of makes me a little sad. Um, the only rant I can think about is like things that happen at the Capitol and I really don't want to like dwell on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is just one and it's mine's kind of like yours. I'm not really sure if it's a rant but just one thing I hadn't really seen a lot of people report on um, was that a lot of journalists were targeted at the Capitol and not like individually, thank God, because I I was watching the ABC coverage and one of the female reporters was outside the Capitol and I was like, every time they showed her, I was almost afraid that like someone was going to come up behind her and like push her or something just because that group of people has been told that the media is the enemy of the people for the last five years. And I think that hits me like hard because literally I started journalism school when uh, this president was elected and that was like really scary. And I remember my last day of my senior capstone, our professor asked how many of us were scared to go into journalism and we all raised our hands and yesterday on the doors of the capitol they one of at least one of them uh etched in the door murder the media and so it's really surprising that the only thing that came out of that as far as media is concerned is that ap had a lot of their cameras destroyed and one of the camera cords were turned into a noose but luckily none of like surprisingly none of the journalists that were in the capitol building and outside were like physically individually attacked and i just think we should be also very thankful that they were there to document this because imagine if they weren't there Mm -hmm. what we would 
we wouldn't know much about what happened and we definitely wouldn't see it from a a good side um I do also want to add because I have been reading through all of the I've on a journey of reading a biography of every president and so I'm six through um and so I'm really big into like the founding of America I've learned a lot about that and a lot about because James Madison was kind of the architect of the constitution and Mm -hmm. the bill of rights so you learn a lot about the basis of those things and always in my life I've really like that's the point of pride the bill of rights especially because of what it represents and the rights that it represents and something those are the same people who kind of shout free speech online without understanding what it means that it means the government can't persecute you but something I just want to point out is tied into that free speech amendment is the free press it's the same amendment yes so like keep that in mind that the founders the people you like venerate but also like supreme courts throughout history and just like america in general i think that first amendment all of it is like a core value that we have and so if you value free speech you should value a free press and and murder the media is not valuing a free press Yeah. And oftentimes the people who are screaming fake news are not screaming it at the actual fake news. And thankfully, they're a minority of people that don't believe in the news actually being factual. But the people they're recording what was happening and reporting it live and the photos, it's wild to me to like see photos and actually like remember a person had to be in the middle of that and not be a part of it, which is scary because that means they're an individual in a huge group of people to take that photo. And that's, and that's a, I think, a good point, too. In the case of remembering the media, there's the people in front. There's the writers and stuff who get their names. But then there's also photographers and videographers who do, I mean, get their names attached to photos, but you don't always yeah. read that. And so I think it's important to remember journalism encompasses a lot of different mediums yeah so just something to remember and with that I guess we'll go to rave yeah I have one from a little while ago because my mom we've been every night it's like our our sanity through all of COVID we watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune together and we were surprised to find out that tonight was the first night of Celebrity uh, Wheel of Fortune so that's why I was a little late to this recording because my mom (laughs) really wanted to watch it and it was just so fun they had um, Leslie Jones Chandra Wilson Chandra Wilson who's Dr. Miranda Bailey from Grey's Anatomy I love her Tony Hawk who ended up being like the quiet one who oh the, the two women just like <laughs> mercilessly like <laughs> it was hilarious and Leslie Jones was awesome and Pat Sajak I know this from watching Little Fortune so much he is so great at just playing off of yeah. contestants and stuff so it was so much fun and I think in especially this week to have it premiere this week it was just yeah. so fun to like not be a part of anything else in the world for a moment and just laugh and appreciate all of the hilarity that was going on and I think um well ABC is doing that they're doing like normally they do game shows in the summer like the primetime game shows they're doing primetime game shows right now and I really appreciate that because pandemic and just everything going on game shows just provide a lot of levity and and a and so 
raving about Celebrity Jeopardy if you have if you're able to stream it or watch it live definitely something worth your while but also game shows is a great form of outlet I yeah have watched so many of them in this but then just also find find your escape find your escapism and always keep it in mind and don't hesitate to use it yeah because it's important like you can stay informed but don't be like doom scrolling on twitter like um, have have a song that is your favorite and that at any point you can put on and dance and forget the world is the world for a minute yeah because that's okay to do I feel like we say that like every other episode but that is okay to do it's that important we yeah. have to fit. Yeah. As, mu- as much a reminder for ourselves as it is for you guys. Oh, yeah. We text each other constantly being like, it's okay to like unplug and do whatever you need to do. And it's a good reminder. It's an important reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, my rave um, kind of ties back to our episode we did the week of Christmas uh, where we said like the one thing we uh, had on our list. So funny enough, we recorded that the Saturday before Christmas. The next day, my best friend and I were doing a socially distanced uh, uh, present exchange. And the first gift I opened was the gift I talked about on that episode, which obviously she hadn't listened to because it hadn't come out yet. And it's the book HRH um, by Elizabeth Holmes. I just finished it right before we recorded it. And I'm kind of sad I finished it because... It was such a fun read and I honestly expected it to be more, um, sorry, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a a book that Elizabeth Holmes wrote and it's, um, she does a thing on Instagram that she's kind of known for and it's called So Many Thoughts and she does thoughts on royal fashion and like the little different like tidbits of like different messages and stuff that could be in symbolism that could be part of that outfit and stuff. And so she talks about Queen Elizabeth uh princess diana kate and megan and she like kind of goes through their entire like fashion evolution thus far or um in diana's case her fashion evolution when she was a royal um and it's kind of cool to see like she has a lot of different insights into like how their fashion has had evolved even in just like a few years and i personally really enjoyed it because uh like Laura and I met on Tumblr, basically talking about royal fashion and, and hockey, but a lot of royal fashion. And I always liked the little insights and like, oh, this might symbolize this. Or like in some cases, it does kind of sound like, did they know that it meant that? And clearly this book like outlines it so well that it's like, obviously they use fashion as a com- conversation and like to say to talk without actually saying anything um and I just think if you're like even if you're not a royals fan but you're just a style and fashion fan it's definitely a good read it's I read it I felt like I read it pretty quickly but it has a lot of like in-depth stuff and it also has like kind of a couple pages of like a biography I guess of each person too so you're kind of learning more royal history if you don't know them yeah that. It always is nice when you get what you wished for. Yeah. Especially that immediately. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I think we are done for uh, this episode. But next episode, we will have hockey games to talk about. Oh my gosh, real actual hockey. 
So that's exciting. And we will see you all then. Bye, guys.